we should employ Christian principles of communication in our daily lives. And he emphasized in our relationships. He talked about a few things. He talked about how we should be swift to hear. He talked about how we should be slow to speak. And he talked about how we should be slow to anger or wrath. For those three things, we've heard those a lot in our lives. So just as a review, I would like to talk to you about the first two. Swift to hear and slow to speak. Why should we be, as Christians, swift to hear? Listening to what other Christians are saying and how they present the gospel. That's a great point. When we're in an assembly or we're in a class, there might be other ways that individuals might present scripture or points that we might learn from them that we may never have heard before, right? Exactly. What about in everyday life? Should we be swift to hear and slow to speak? How does that help us as Christians influencing others? How does that help us? Absolutely. That's absolutely right, Jeffrey. Absolutely. Were you going to say something, Debbie? Uh, yeah, that you don't really know until you know someone's perspective or their story. You don't really know the best way to communicate with them. So allowing them to share their feelings or what really happened or, you know, just their point of view, then I think you can answer a lot better. Absolutely. Jordan. Great points. I'm going to hit those kind of one at a time. First, to what Jeffrey said, it helps us hear and understand the situation, right? If we're just always spouting off, then we're not giving people opportunity to even tell us what they're trying to tell us. I had a job interview recently. I I was asked 10 questions in under 11 minutes. The man interrupted me every single time I started to speak because he thought he knew what I was going to say. It went terribly. He was not listening. He was not taking a moment to even hear what I was trying to say, and he cut me off. That has impacted our relationship even to this day. We don't want to impact our relationship. We don't want to cut off people who we're trying to influence. We don't want to do that. We want to have those relationships, and cutting them off does that. And then to Jordan's point, you're absolutely right. We want to listen and to know what we're doing is right. We want to learn more about God and his word, and we can do that, especially when we listen to our brethren, as we learn, as we study in a variety of settings. Those are great points. Slow to anger, slow to wrath. So, I'm a father. 
I'm a husband. I'm a son. I, take, I took a lot of what Curtis had to say, and I had to apply it to my life. Slow to anger is something that I believe a lot of fathers probably have struggles with, especially fathers of, well, all children. I'm going to say all fathers. All fathers probably have trouble with slow to anger sometimes. When he talked about being slow to anger, he, ta- he said, Curtis said, we should only be angry at the things that make God angry. And that's a point that I wanted to bring up because, one, it applied to me a lot. And so I hope that it might apply to you. So as a father, I get an ample opportunity at patience. <laughs> I get of, plenty of opportunities at getting angry at the small things. I, I cannot tell you how many things are spilled or broken in my house. I cannot tell you how many times um, people are yelling or fighting or trying to push their little brothers or sisters down the stairs. I, I cannot tell you how much we deal with that on a daily basis. And sometimes I get angry. Sometimes I do. I, I, I genuinely do. I get very frustrated. I'm at the, I'm at the end of my rope, and I am just angry. And lots of times it comes out. It will come out in, in a mean look. It will come out in a harsh word. And it will come out in a variety of ways, really. But when he said this, it reminded me that all of that doesn't matter. Because what I need to be focused on are the souls of my children and the souls of others around us. If we are quick to anger about things that God is not angry about, what's the point? We should be angry at sin. We should be angry at our own failures. We should be angry at evil winning in this world. We shouldn't be angry at someone throwing something and breaking our brand new TV. We should be angry at the, th- at the things that makes God angry. And I really like that point. And I take that as a husband and as father, I take that very seriously. Are there any comments about the communication class or anything that's on here that we'd like to... Absolutely. She said we have to watch our words and watch how we deliver those messages in anger because it can impact that person a lot. That's absolutely correct. There was one time I was very upset at the children at something that happened, and I I bent down and I I got in Luke's face, and Jessica literally had to just come over and just tap me on the shoulder and say, you got to stop. You look like you're about to just just tackle him or destroy him. She said, look at at how, how you're physically domineering him. You've got to back up. And so I, I thanked her for that. And then I was able to literally get down on a knee and talk to him about what happened. And it was all the difference in the world, right? All the difference in the world in that interaction between me and my son because of someone who was noticing how I was reacting in anger. So good point. Very good point. And this spills right into the kindness class. So the kindness class Um, On the kindness class, Curtis reminded us that kindness was commanded by God. Again, slow to wrath, roll right into kindness. I really, I don't know if he did that on purpose, but it was great. He reminded us that it was commanded by God, and he reminded us that we need to examine our attitudes. So, 
On Sunday mornings, I go back and count with Curtis and Tom or with a variety of people. And it was the Sunday morning he was going to teach this class. And, and I asked him, like, hey, what are you teaching about tonight? I'm very excited about it. And he said, I'm, t- I'm teaching on kindness. He said, but I got to tell you, this has been really hard for me. And I was really surprised at that. I was like, Curtis, you seem like such a kind person. I mean, he's really surprised. And he said, he said, well, this week at work, he said, it's, been, it's just been really hard. And for his job, he has to interview people, and uh, he has to investigate a lot of different things, and he has to investigate wrongdoing. And he said, this week, he said, I had people lying to me every single day. He said, every day, people were lying to my face about what they had done. And he said, and, and preparing for this class really impacted how I treated those people. And I said, wow. I was like, you know, how did it impact you? And, and he said that, I had to be much more kind than I wanted to be. Knowing that I was being lied to my face was very difficult to have that kindness towards them that I needed. And I thought that was a very powerful thing. Because kindness does not necessarily, is not dictated by how we're being treated by others. We could be being lied to, we could be being bullied, we could be being put down, but that does not mean that we are not responsible for our own actions of kindness. Curtis said that it changed his attitude towards those people. They were still going to get in trouble. They were going to still have consequences of their actions, but it changed how he treated them in that moment. And I thought that was a very powerful example of how kindness should impact our daily lives. Curtis said, We can set rules with consequences, but deliver punishment with love and care, just like what you were saying. Just like we spoke about a moment ago, we can have love and care for others. Are there any other thoughts on the kindness class that, you, that someone would like to bring up if they happen to remember something that they enjoyed from his kindness class? Yeah, Mark. That's a great point, Mark. I know a lot of different uh, people who will avoid conflict at all costs, and they may not necessarily be truly kind to those around them if they're not really helping them out of tough situations. That's a really good point. Any other comments on the kindness class? Okay. So then he had a two-part series on making wise choices. Making wise choices. Curtis reminded us that God expects his children to make wise choices. He reminded us in uh, four or five points 
first one was to remember who you are. Remember who you are. That is something that was drilled into me when I was younger. My father would always say, remember who you are, whenever we would go out with friends. He would always look at my, me and my brothers and say, remember who you are. And he knew, we knew what he meant. He knew that we were, we were reminded that we were representative of him, of our family, but most importantly, of God. He absolutely knew what he was reminding us every time he told us that. And who are we? Who are we supposed to be? Remember who we are. Who are you? Who are we supposed to be first and foremost? Children of the king. Absolutely. You can go to my kids, I guarantee you. You pull them out of class right now. If I, grow up, I go to them and I say, what are we going to be when you grow up? Christians. Most people know that saying. What are we going to be when we grow up? Christians. And then James will say something like, well, I don't know what I really want to be besides a Christian. And I'm like, yeah, you can be anything you want, but be a Christian first. And he knows that. He's four years old. He knows that we are going to be Christians first in this life. We have to remember who we are when making wise choices. Again, because this class, as a reminder, it was all about everyday decisions and what impacts those. So we have to remember who we are when we make these wise choices. When we're making wise choices, we need to identify sources for study and counsel. Emphasis on counsel here for making wise choices. How many people think they know everything in the world? Nobody. Right? We have to go to others for counsel. We have to go to other Christians for counsel. And most importantly, where should we go for counsel? What was that? God's Word. Absolutely right. We should go to God's Word. It has our answers. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, right? It's right there. That makes a lot of decisions simple in life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. He talked about being deliberate with our priorities. Did anybody read Tom's email from, I think it was last week? Did you see his, his email before the Sunday service? I think it was last week's that was on priorities. In that email, he talked about priorities. And his emphasis was, of course, to try to encourage us to keep the right priorities. To try to encourage brethren to be here. Keep the priority of attending worship with your brethren so that you can encourage one another. I don't know about you guys, but I thought this morning was exceptional. Exceptionally encouraging. I thought David's words were wonderful. And I left, honestly, on a high. I was so sad that Jessica couldn't be here this morning um, because she's taking care of James, who's sick. Because I told her, like, look, it was such an encouraging service. We are deliberate with our priorities. Tom emphasized that in the email. We all made a choice to be here tonight. We all made a choice to be here this morning. And a lot of us, that was hard. You had other things that you might have needed to do. You might have not been feeling good. You might have been feeling downright bad. You might have had other work priorities that are, that are trying to pull you away on a Sunday. But we're deliberate with our priorities. We always make time for the things that are most important to us. That's the truth. We do. For me, this class tonight was important. I made time for it. I make time for dessert every night. I sure do. Around 11.30 at night, me and Jessica, we got chocolate. We're sitting down, we have chocolate. It is a wonderful tradition that I highly recommend. But we make priorities. Do, do we make studying the Bible priority? I will honestly say until... 
about two years ago when we were here, I had never taken the opportunity in my life to read the Bible for every single day for a calendar year no matter what. And I finally made it a high enough priority that I got it done. I was 34 years old by the time I got that done in my life. That is shameful. Shameful. But I did it. I finally got it. And I was glad to do it. And I continue that. I continue trying to read my Bible every single day, no matter what. Because it's my priority. And that's what Curtis emphasized. It's our priorities. Anybody any any comments on priorities? The next thing was to hold ourselves accountable. We are supposed to hold ourselves accountable for making wise choices. We have to remember to never compromise our values because every time we do, it becomes easier. Whenever we don't make a wise choice, don't sweep it under the rug. Don't say, oh, it was just one time I made a bad choice. Oh, it's okay. Hold yourself accountable. Say, no, that was a bad choice. I did not have God as my priority for that decision. And next time, I'll do better. Next time, I'll do better. We have to hold ourselves accountable. And then finally, do not grow weary. Galatians 6 and verse 9 says, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. What did Paul say about the race we have to run? Actually, I kind of answered the question. Paul said we have to run it. (laughs) Sorry, spoiler. We have to run the race, okay? As David put this morning, this life, this short road of life is full of potholes. We have to run our race. Um, My grandmother said, uh, growing old is is not for the weak. There There are hard times in life. There are genuine tragedies that happen in our life, but we cannot grow weary. There are hard and terrible things that we have to deal with, some of them that would almost rob us of our hope, but we must press on. We must not grow weary. We must lean on one another, and we must move forward. So we make choices every day to build ourselves up to not grow weary. And then some of the big pieces that he talked about in the next one. We need to make wise choices, practical, everyday choices about the things that we watch. The movies, the shows that come into our minds and our hearts. This is a difficult thing in today's age. I grew up in a house that has had a color TV my entire life. I grew up when, the, when streaming internet video was just starting. And I have come now to see where we have was it, like 14 different pay-per-month subscriptions that you can sign up for with uh, more hours being uploaded to YouTube every day than uh, were uploaded in the year 2001. There is so much video that is being created every single day that we have to be conscious about what we see. We absolutely, positively, as Christians, must filter what's coming into our houses into our minds, and into our hearts. What comes out of our mouth? It comes from the, from the heart. And how does it get to the heart? In through the eyes. Christians today, listen, I mean, guys, I have kids. I, I like shows. I love movies with explosions. 
You give me a superhero or an explosion happening in the trailer, man, I want to go see it. I mean, I'm, I, I just, I love this stuff. Give me a, you know, 30-foot robot transforming into a cannon. Yes, I am there. But I can't do it. I can't do it. I have to filter what I see now. There's too much garbage that's out there that's going to fill my mind with it. I've made enough bad choices in entertainment when I was younger that I don't want anymore. I absolutely do not want anymore in my life. I'm not proud of some of the things I've seen. I know all of us can say that. All of us can. Nobody's perfect. And especially today when it's being pushed to us all the time, we have to do our very best. Now we have options. We, have, we, have, we had clean films for a while. We have Clearplay now. We have VidAngel, stuff that will filter our streaming, act, our, our streaming TV shows. We have options. And also, you can turn it off. You can turn it off. There's a plug, there is a power button, and we can literally turn it off if we need to. Our kids do not have to be the kids. Our, ourselves, we do not have to be the people that have seen every single show that people talk about at work or at school. We can make those decisions. I, I'm hit with this every single day, ladies and gentlemen. This, this one hit home for me. We have to filter what we watch. We cannot let it into our lives. So, I'm going to open up for comments on that. Does anybody want to talk about anything when it comes to the shows or movies that we watch and how we must filter it or any suggestions on how we can filter it and help each other filter it? Yeah, that's a great point, Aaron. We have to start, right? We can't be hypocrites. We have to start it. That's a great point. And then music. And it's pretty much the same thing, but we need to watch the things that our kids listen to. Um, we have to be careful about the music that they listen to, no matter the genre. No matter the genre. It doesn't matter. There's bad stuff in all of them. Except for jazz. I don't know if there's actually words in jazz, but just in general, jazz isn't that great anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we have to make wise choices, ladies and gentlemen, in the songs we sing. We were going to Disney this past week, and we let our kids watch some of the Lion King uh, movie, the original, like the good one, the original. And a song came on, and I started singing it. I started singing it with the kids in the car. And Jessica just looked at me, and she's like, how do you know all the words to this song? She's like, have you seen this lately? I'm like, no, I just... I mean, I watched a lot when I was little. I, I listened to the sound. I, I bought the soundtrack, I mean, to Lion King. I was like, I loved this music. And she said, she said, isn't it sad that, you, that we can remember songs from when we were little, but we can't remember the huge Bible classes we took in college? And I said, yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, there are some things that I wish I could switch out for my knowledge of kids' songs. But I, I didn't. I didn't make that choice. Our kids will listen to the lyrics. We listen to the lyrics. We have to filter our music. And then games. I, I, I cannot emphasize this enough. For anyone that's older, games today have just gone to the next level in every way possible. In filth, in language, in content. 
there are games that people will play that are absolutely, positively worse than almost any movie you could watch. We have to be careful on our games. And, and that picture, I picked that one on purpose. There are so many different ways that people play games these, these days. So many different ways that you play games. Two different uh, big electronics manufacturers just came out with more ways to play video games on your phone. You put a controller on your phone and you can just play it anywhere you want. Ladies and gentlemen, again, we have to filter our games. Games have ratings on them for a reason. If you don't know that, look at them. Your games will have ratings on them. You have to be careful. And I will say, so we downloaded a game. So this is just a side note. We downloaded a game for Kyla. It was uh, like Princess uh, Hairdo Salon, something like that, right? Like super sweet game, super sweet game. And so we let her play it, and there was an ad on it that was absolutely um, terrible. I don't know about a better way to say it. It was absolutely terrible. Um, it had a curse word written in the text on this ad, and it was uh, a picture of a man and a woman in a bed. This was on an ad for, like, princess hairstyle game on, on, on Android. Like, this was, this was nothing that we had ever anticipated. We, we, never, we never thought that it could possibly happen, and when we saw it, we were just like, what in the world? And so we immediately removed that game. The game itself had nothing to do with the ad. It's just the advertiser paid for it. They put it on there. That's, that, 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 I couldn't believe it. And so now we have to filter even the ads on the video games. So now, again, the world is trying. Satan, man, he is trying his hardest to come after us. He is trying his hardest. So my, my emphasis to you tonight we have to make wise choices, parents especially. Be careful about the games. And then everything else, right? Social media. Uh, everything else, the internet, right? Everything else electronic. We have to filter it. You have to be careful. We cannot be naive and think that by plugging in a computer and plugging in your modem and everything's going to be fine. It will make its way to you. Uh, there was a, 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 a hacking conference where they just took a brand new computer, plugged it in, and within 38 seconds, it was being pinged by a server in China. It didn't sign up for anything. All it was was connected to the Internet. Okay? There are things that are going to make it your way, and we have to be careful. Fathers, rule your households well. Make good choices. Make good choices when it comes to everything electronic in your house. So this is taking way longer than I anticipated. I'm, I'm sorry, everybody. I'm going to move on uh, to temptation. Uh, Curtis's class on temptation, he talked about Satan as an adversary that is alive and working. He talked about that Satan must play by God's rules. I liked that point. He reminded us of, of what character in the Bible? Job, absolutely. How Satan had to go to God and ask for God's permission to tempt him. We can be encouraged by that, that Satan is alive and working, but even he has to play by God's rules. He reminded us that temptations are personalized. This, I also really like this point. Just because I struggle with something doesn't mean that you struggle with something. There could be something that I struggle with every single day that may not even cross your mind. And so what do we do? How can we help each other knowing that temptations are personalized? We can build each other up. We can bear one another's burdens. That's later, but we can help each other, right? 
a temptation for you may not be a temptation for me. And if I know it's a temptation for you, if, I, if I'm in your life enough to know that, then maybe I can say, hey, here's why it's not a temptation for me. Have you thought about this? Have you done this? We can build each other up practically every day. We are vulnerable when we're alone or overconfident. Again, building each other up. We can be there for one another when temptation rears its ugly head. And then most importantly, we go to God and his word for help. Again, who was the best example that he brought up during, for that, during the class for that? Jesus, absolutely, when he's tempted in the garden. Where does he go? The word of God. Absolutely. Can we go to the word of God when we need help? Absolutely, yes. You better believe it. We can go to the word of God. It will help us. Salvation can be found in these pages. Every day, every single day, we go to God and his word for help. And I loved this. In Hebrews, it says, if, uh, it says we have a sympathetic high priest. If our high priest is sympathetic, then we need to be sympathetic brethren. We need to be sympathetic brethren. Amen to that. We need to help each other and understand. So we talked um, years ago. I mean, years ago, we had a friend who made a terrible choice in her life. Um, she became pregnant uh, outside of marriage, and she had that to deal with. She repented. She turned back to God hard. She knew she had made a mistake. She was so sorry. She completely repented. She's a Christian to this day. And we talked to her about it. And we talked to her during it. And when we were talking to her, she said, you know what, you know what the hardest part is? is that the brethren here won't let me forget about my sin. She said the whole time she was pregnant, they just came up to her and were like, you know, you know God will forgive you, and, you know, it's going to be hard, and, you know, I, I, you're just, we're so sorry you're in this terrible situation. She said they would not let me forget it. They said they, they just kept bringing up my sin over and over. She said if I had lied and went forward for lying, six months later people aren't going to come back and say, you know what, God will forgive you for this terrible thing. They wouldn't let her forget it. And that stuck with me. That really stuck with me. Now, were those people trying to be encouraging? Probably, yeah. I don't think they were trying to put her down. I really don't. But at the same time, we have to be sympathetic. We have to know that we have all failed. Every single person in this room has sinned, I guarantee it, because God has said that's true. We have all failed. We may not have failed at the same thing, but we've all failed. So we can all have forgiveness for one another. We can be sympathetic. We can be in each other's lives. We can raise each other up. We can be sympathetic as our high priest. Jesus is for us. And then another point that Curtis said was sometimes we have to make radical decisions, and that's okay. I really liked this one. I think a lot of you Dave Ramsey fans in the room will like this one because he says you have to live like no one else so that you can live like no one else. Now, he's talking about saving money and paying off debt and blah, blah, blah. But for us, we have to live like no one else so that we can be in heaven. We need to live like Christians. We need to live like brethren who love each other, who are forgiving, who are caring, who love God. We need to live like that like not the rest of the world, 
so that we can be in heaven. It's okay to make radical decisions. It's okay for us not to have TVs. It's okay for us to not go to the parties. It's okay for us to not be involved with 90% of the garbage the world's involved in. It's okay. We can be radical. We can be different and be saved. And that's okay. And I really liked that point. Character matters. Another class. This was last class. So we're doing pretty good. I've got almost 10 minutes for my class now. So Curtis reminded us of five things for character matters. He reminded us of commitment. Excuse me. He reminded us of commitment. He said, our commitment to Christ should not be based on convenience, but should be unwavering. Unwavering. Day in, day out. During the highs and during the lows. We need to be committed to Christ. He talked about contentment. He talked about how Paul was, actually uh, Mark brought up how Paul was in prison during his writing, his writing about being content. And contentment is a big one for me. Did I spell that wrong? Contentment. No, I think it's okay. All right. So that's a big one for me, here recently especially. So again, my father recently traveled to Honduras. And it was a, you know, um, he, we've had lots of people in here, don't mean to point you out. Um, we've had a lot of people in here who have traveled internationally, who have seen poverty, severe poverty, severe real poverty, and who have seen wealth. Right? So when we were in China... I got to tell you, we never saw even one homeless person. I never saw one homeless person in all of China. I was in cities, the smallest city I was in was in 8 million people. Still, never saw one homeless person. So my dad goes to Honduras, and he sees almost nothing but poverty. The biggest thing for him was the family with the four-year-old that lived at the dump. And I know I've brought this in here, up in here before, but I just have to emphasize it. It's a mother and her daughter who live under a tarp with tires beside them, basically, in a dump. And they literally took shoes there to just leave their shoes at the dump or throw them away because of how gross it is. And that's where this woman is raising her daughter. And all they do every day is go through the new garbage, find what they think they can sell, try to sell it for enough food to eat for the day, and then that's it. That's their life. They just try to sell garbage for food, and they do that day in and day out, never leaving the dump. Look where we live. Look how we got here today. Look at the clothes that we're wearing. If we cannot be content, we need to get over ourselves and start looking around at people who really are in poverty. It's just really hard. We live in a rich country, right? No one's blaming us for being born in America, but we can be generous. We can be content and generous with our wealth. And we can raise our children to be content. That's a challenge. Raising our children in a wealthy environment with good food and good schools and fun things to do is a hard, is a hard thing to do for contentment. There was a, a Christmas list that went viral this past week. I don't know if you guys saw it. It's a 10-year-old girl. And on her Christmas list, this 10-year-old girl put an iPhone 11, AirPod, GoPro. She put um, high-end electronics. She put brand-name shoes, clothes, exclusive toys. 
And on top of it all, you know what she ended her list with? $4,000. That's what she ended her list with, $4,000. She is 10 years old in America. Do you think that that parent probably has um, some lessons to try to teach that little girl? Yeah, something around contentment would probably be a good place to start. But we're all guilty of it. We're all guilty of wanting more, of wanting the better things. We can do a better job of being content. And if we struggle with it, then let's start looking at the people who really need it. Compassion goes right along with contentment. We need to be compassionate and generous. We need to be filled with the desire to alleviate the pain and sin in others' lives. Sure, it'd be great to go build that woman in Honduras and her little child a mansion to provide for them for the rest of their lives. That would be a wonderful, good thing to do. But if she doesn't know Christ, and if her daughter doesn't know Christ, then what's the point? Right? What's the point? We have to have that on the forefront of our minds. When we're generous, when we're compassionate, we need to be channeling Christ in our actions and talking to people about it while we're doing it, to not be afraid. We need to have courage to speak to one another, to other people, not one another, but other people about Christ. Let us not be the people that were too scared to do God's will and to tell Him that on Judgment Day. Why didn't you proclaim my name to more people? I want to answer that question not out of fear. I want to answer that question, I did proclaim your name to other people. And that is something that we all can work on. Every single one of us have a sphere of influence in our lives. Coworkers, friends, family. Not all these people are Christians. You can influence others for Christ every single day, and we need to have courage to do it. And finally, confidence. Firmly believing in Jesus Christ as our Savior. So a small funny story about this, about how I wish... I had the level of confidence in Jesus that my son James does. So when we were going to Disney, there's a ride that's called Expedition Everest, and he's too little to ride it, but it was, a, it was talking about the abominable snowman or a Yeti. And so, of course, being a four-year-old boy, he needed to know what the Yeti was. So we had to explain to him what a theoretical Yeti is. So we talked to him about Yetis, and Luke, of course, just started embellishing and started acting like one and was just being a good big brother, you know, trying to scare James being a Yeti. And after it was all over, after it was all over, James said, he said, Dad, he said, do you want to know something? I said, what, son? And he said, he said, James is God versus a million hundred Yetis. (laughs) And he did that. And I thought, one, it was super sweet. But he said, James is God. James is God versus a million hundred yetis, and he just did that. That is the level of confidence that my four-year-old son has in God. It is James's God. James's God will take care of James, and he knows it. Justin's God will take care of Justin, and I need to know it more. I need to understand that more. I need to not be worried about stock market, recessions, depressions, wars, whatever. Whatever it is. Because Justin's God can take care of it. And James reminded me of that. 
Ladies and gentlemen, it took a four-year-old boy to remind his father what it really means to say, you know what, that is my God. That is my God. My God is a powerful God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who raised Jesus from the dead, the God who raises all men from the dead, the God who created this world and the universe, that is my God. And he has got my back as long as I serve him. And that is the confidence that we should have. I did not get into the fruits of the Spirit tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I apologize for not managing my time better. But just to remind you, the fruits of the Spirit. Take these every day. Use these in everything else that we've talked about. And try to influence everyone you know for good. I'll open it up for comments before we end. Is there anything that I might have, any comments that need to be made before we close? Absolutely. She talked about filtering out even the news today. And you're right. Sometimes to save our children a lot of heartache, to save them from seeing negative things, we do have to even filter out the news. Thank you, everyone, so much for your attention and for your time tonight.